Well, Dan, welcome to the Sports Editor. It's really great to have you on the show. Perfect. Good. Uh, thank, uh, thank you for the offer. Thanks, Dan. Dan, uh, to start off with, obviously you, you were born in, in Belfast and, and obviously residing in South Africa now. Would you say it's the love for sport in South Africa that inspired you to pursue a career in sport uh, hosting, if you can call it that? Um, I think probably came a bit before that. I, I moved to Zimbabwe when I was four years old. My father was sports mad and uh, growing up at that stage in Zimbabwe, mm. very similar, I think, to growing up in South Africa. Uh, sport was central to school and to life and uh, we weren't uh, in an era, and this will make me sound terribly old, but we weren't in an era where we sat on phones and tablets and had 300 television channels to choose from. So entertainment was mostly being out in the field, kicking balls, uh, hitting golf balls, playing a bit of tennis. My parents were teachers, so I grew up on school campuses, which meant school holidays had lots of fields and lots of equipment for me to use. And it was just something I gravitated to, naturally always enjoyed, always had a lot of fun at, made some absolutely outstanding double hundreds against my younger sister's bowling <laughs> in the back garden. Um, and uh, yeah, initially I'd always wanted to play sport, particularly cricket. I spent some time at the Zimbabwe Cricket Academy and the, uh, the hope had always been to, to play some top level cricket, but I was never quite good enough. But, but I'd also loved writing, really enjoyed it. Uh, I'd spent a year when I was 16 in Australia as a rotary exchange student, played some club cricket, uh, uh, saw the world and realised that I wanted to do more of that. And uh, when I finished university, I was lucky enough to get a scholarship that got me down to the University of Cape Town. And that's where I really started the media career, working with UCT Radio, working with the UCT Boston newspaper, and starting to cultivate a career in sports generally. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. You can obviously see that the love for sport comes through you quite strongly there, so it's great. And especially cricket, uh, that's a really, really a, a good thing. Uh, <laughs> so, obviously, being an MC requires a certain set of skills. Um, how long was it before you thought that would be a career that you really want to follow and, and pursue throughout your life? Yeah, I don't think it's a career you sort of train for or mm. you know, certainly when I was growing up, uh, sports journalism had always been uh, the aim if it wasn't sport itself. And uh, when I got down to university, going into UCT Radio, which was a great grounding and uh, doing some work with the university newspaper, but particularly the radio opened me up to working with some brands who would come mm. to university, host events, wanted to interact with students and quite quickly I got asked to host a few events for them uh, and uh, between that and a few C radio pieces I then got a, a job as the stadium MC for what was then the newly formed IX Cape Town right. and uh, kicked off uh, what was a very interesting, very different career trying to wrap my non-South African tongue around uh, <laughs> some very South African names. Yeah, they have a push your um, abilities there. Very much so. Uh, and then uh, subjects work, they, uh, most of the universities have an organization called RAG, which is the student's charity in their division. And I'd uh, MC some stuff for them, did a couple of golf days, and just kind of picked it up. I, I hadn't really ever sought that out as a career. It's when I kind of fell into accidentally and then discovered it was something I both enjoyed and uh, I was quite good at and that formed a platform that eventually by the time I was uh, probably about 27, 28, 
and had worked as a sports presenter and sports editor uh, for online and, uh, and on radio and television, decided that I really enjoyed the MC work, that it was starting to take up more time, that it was uh, something that I felt in the long term could probably be more lucrative. And so to the dismay of my mother, I uh, <laughs> quit my full-time employment and set off to become an MC. Absolutely brilliant, Dan. That's fantastic. And it, it's obviously taking you um, around the world and you've done a lot of events um, which have great names to them. And one in particular that sounds for me is that you're an ambassador for the Laureus Sport for Good. Um, could you tell us more about that program and, and how that came about? Yeah, Lois Sport for Good Foundation turns 20 this year. It's a very exciting year for what is a quite extraordinary platform. The uh, uh, Lois was started by Johan Rupert, the South African businessman, mm. and the aim uh, initially was to create an award space that would give a sporting equivalent to the Oscars, and then they looked at how they could give some more meaning to that, and from there came the Academy, which is all the top sports stars who form the basis of the, the Loris Foundation. And then there's the foundation itself, which for me is the most important part. The, uh, the awards get all of the attention, but it's the programs, and there are 150 odd around the world, who all use sport to create meaningful and sustainable change. Mm. When they had the very first awards, uh, the uh, words in Monaco from Nelson Mandela was the first patron, which are now extremely well known, with it has the power to change the world and the use of sport as a force for good has been immense with Laureus so I, I got to know them uh, through some work that I've done with Johan Rupert and some of the, the brands that he has and got introduced to Laureus and uh, really just offered my services to help out when they needed an MC or needed some assistance yeah. loved what they did never thought I'd become an ambassador it's uh, almost always people who played top level sport but after a number of years of supporting them uh, out of the blue they invited me to become an ambassador which was an immense honour and so I'm now part of that international family uh, I get to to travel to the awards, uh, help out working at the awards and other big race events around the world. Uh, Again, visit projects. I've had the opportunity to uh, visit a, a mixed sport project in Rio de Janeiro, to visit a martial arts cool. project in New York, to visit a basketball project trying to bridge the, the gap of, uh, of religion and culture in Belfast in Northern Ireland, uh, as well as seeing plenty of projects here in South Africa, many of which we featured on the Dan Show. And for me, it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful project to be part of, a family to be part of. I think Ray Knietling is also an ambassador for mm. Ness that uh, we often get thanked when we go and visit these glorious projects and meet <laughs> the kids and play a bit of sport, but uh, it's really us who should be doing the thanking because you become a kid again, you start mm. kicking football around and playing a bit of sport and uh, discover uh, not just uh, how much you, uh, or remind yourself how much you love sport, but also see kids who uh, quite often don't have the best of backgrounds, they don't have a huge amount to look forward to, and sport is providing them with a bit of hope, it's providing them with a bit of distraction, it's providing them with a bit of meaning, mm. and in many cases providing them with a, a conduit to a better life, keeping them away from gangs or from crime, mm. getting them into a more regimented lifestyle where hopefully they're starting to pay a bit more attention at school and they're working a bit harder and they're taking many of the attributes of sport, of teamwork, of commitment, of perseverance and extending them to their day-to-day lives. And we've seen so many examples of young people right around the world who, thanks to the support of a, a Laureus-backed pro- 
project have changed not just their lives but the lives of their communities by becoming role models and examples to other young people. Oh, fantastic! Well, so it's, it's definitely something to to keep your eye on and, and follow and just keep tabs with the good work that is happening. That's absolutely brilliant. Very much so, and I particularly this year the uh, the awards take place the 17th of February in Berlin, and nominated for Team of the Year is Springboks. Wow! Uh, they've got some stiff competition. The American women's football team, Liverpool, also mm. amongst them. But I've got a pretty good feeling, and I think it would be a uh, in the 20th year of an organisation that had Nelson Mandela as the founding patron. Yeah. It would be very special to see Sia Kalisi up on that stage lifting the trophy. Yeah, I agree with you quite strongly there. That would be absolutely fantastic. And I think the side definitely deserves it for what how they've turned their, their fortunes around, if I can call it that. Absolutely brilliant, yep. Dan. Yeah, very good. You touched briefly um, on the Dan Nichols show there, and, and your show is doing very well. Could I ask, what was the inspiration behind starting such a show? When I was in Australia as a 16-year-old, having not watched a huge amount of television growing up in fairly rural Zimbabwe, and seen the probably South African television was uh, the large extent of what I had seen. I'd never really come across sports and comedy uh, fitting into the same space. Mm. Sport was something that was taken quite seriously. And I encountered a show called The Footy Show, which was an Australian rules football show, uh, which didn't have the rights to any footage. It was a channel uh, that couldn't show any actual game coverage. So in order to have a show, they had to have great characters, great entertainers, former players who have a, a lot to say and could create a lot of fun. And they produced this really entertaining show. And I thoroughly enjoyed it, thought it was hilarious, and I'd love to do something like that one day. <laughs> and uh, towards the end of my university career, it was after a, a Curry Cup final, I got talking to Bob Skinstad. He mentioned a show called The Lion Red Sports Cafe in New Zealand. We decided, right, let's try and make this work. We flew out Rick Salizzo, who was the host and executive producer from New Zealand, and together with Robbie Fleck and Cornette Griffo, who had some business interests already with Bob. We filmed the pilot and tried to put the show together and just didn't get very far. Nobody had a clue who I was. We didn't have any television experience. <laughs> and I don't think the South African market was quite ready to right. But it was something I always wanted to do. And so in... Uh, 2014, I um, I sat down with a friend of mine, Kelvin Watts, who ran a, a fairly wide-reaching sports business, and he liked the idea, so the two of us together funded the pilot. Uh, we shot it on a fairly modest budget, and we had uh, guests on the show, and just happened to be that one of the guests in the makeshift studio audience was Suzanne Stevens, the marketing director of uh, their newly formed life insurance brand called Brightrock. She saw, believed in us, and on the 1st of April, the next year in 2015, on about a two-week turnaround from thumbs up from channel and sponsor to We Need the Show to Go on Air, we produced the first half-hour episode of The Dynical Show. Uh, again, it was still finding our feet a little bit, but we had a, a pretty good start with Francois Pino on that first show and Pete Goffwood from MasterChef. And, uh, we had, uh, had a good start. I uh, had a lot of people very politely tell me in the build-up that this kind of show wouldn't work and there wasn't a market for it and I certainly wasn't the right host and trying to let me down gently. 
and on the 1st of April 2020 we will kick start the 11th season there of we the go. <laughs> brilliant Dan and um, that's so good to hear well done and I think that's also important for uh, aspiring people who are trying to make it big just to stick going keep going stick on your goals and you never know what could happen so no that's a brilliant story absolutely brilliant wow. thank you I was 13 years it took to get wow. on TV but uh, yeah so uh, over, overnight success takes a long time yes <laughs> <laughs> well there we go it does happen overnight but like you said 13 years so Dan, yeah. are, are we allowed to ask for uh, any sneak peeks for the upcoming season? Any things we could look forward to? Oh, that, uh, that suggests I've done a great deal of planning. I'm not sure that's actually <laughs> the case. <laughs> um, yeah, we will have some stuff. Um, I'm going to be at the Laureus Awards in Berlin. So great. we'll have some inserts that we'll film while we're over there with yeah. some of the people and uh, uh, spend a bit of time in Germany. We're trying to uh, set up one or two uh, special moments where hoping to have some time with Deshaun Dezel and her teammates before they head off to become the hopefully first all-women African team to conquer Everest. Yeah. Um, we're going to have a number of the Rugby World Cup guys through the season. We're also hoping to have quite a few Olympians as we look ahead to the 2020 Games in Tokyo, which is uh, it was a, a big year for any sports fan. Mm, I spent some time myself in Japan last year at the Rugby World Cup. Um, very excited to see how the Olympics plays out in Japan, which is an extraordinary country to visit. Mm. And so, yeah, we had in our usual array of comedians, uh, a few <laughs> actors, a couple of singers, and hopefully just a, another season of, of doing what I, I'd like to think we've managed to do pretty well over 10 seasons to date, and that's to introduce our audience across Africa to some people who they know, but give them a slightly different look at or perspective on those people, and some people we've never met or heard of before and discover that they're quite cool, quite funny, they've got tremendous stories, uh, uplifting, inspiring stories. So if we, uh, if we can get a, a couple of smiles and create a few memories, uh, and keep people entertained, uh, then that's, uh, that's our job done. Well, talking about keeping people entertained, you're really good at that, and you spoke about the sense of humor, and, and that is really comes through so strong on the show. Um, and if you could, do you, could you tell us of any, or a funny moment that you experienced recently in your, one of your interviews that just made you feel, well, this is why I do what I, <laughs> this is why I do what I do. <laughs> We do, we do quite a lot with the comedians. Jason Goliath is always great, great value. And to watch him, we filmed an episode with uh, the Soweto Canoe Club, which is a glorious project. Yeah. And Jason, who's about 140 kilograms, wow. just could not stay in his canoe and kept falling out <laughs> into uh, some fairly murky water and lost his sense of humor quite quickly, which was very funny for the rest of us. Yeah, I can um, imagine. We also had Chris Forrest who got uh, uh, flipped over by the Commonwealth Games gold medal winning wrestler after I'd quietly mentioned in the wrestler's ear that Chris didn't think he was very good and he was lucky to win his medal. Um, Chris is still not talking to me. Uh, but probably the best moment from the show, we had Bucky's Boerta on the show Ooh. and I asked Bucky's, having had Victor Matfield on the show the previous season, if he'd ever been scared of anybody because when I'd asked Victor that question, Victor had said I had Bucky's on the field, he always looked after me. And when I asked Bucky's if he'd been scared of anyone, he just looked at me, shook his head and said, Dad, that person hasn't been born yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. Oh, that's brilliant. Wow. Yeah. It's so good to have these people around. They just 
makes life a bit more humorous and just keep the shows going. So it's so good to be involved with them. <laughs> yeah, very much so. So Dan, obviously you've mentioned like the Loris Awards are coming up and um, you've been around a lot of events. Is there any event that really was been a highlight for you in the past couple of years where you thought, wow, this has just been fantastic? I think there are probably two events at the international level each year that have been consistently special. The Laureus Awards is one of them. Last mm. year I got to host the pre-show in Monaco. Uh, a few years back hosted the Academy Dinner in Berlin. And you're with everybody from Carlos Puyol and Boris Becker wow. to Luis Figo and Syrian Botham yeah. and Kathy Freeman and Mona Duplessis and Hugo Borta and Steve and It's an incredible collection of people. Uh, so that taps into your inner sports fan. And the awards as a whole, uh, the actual awards which you see and then afterwards, uh, celebrating and afterwards with Eric Cantona and Bill Murray in Shanghai when they had wow. the awards. And, uh, having had a great awards in Rio and uh, just really enjoying that space. So every year the awards are fantastic. The other event which I've now hosted for 10 or 11 years is the Alfred Dunhill Links Championships in Scotland. It is a terrific celebration of golf. Uh, a lot of big celebrities play in that event as well. Uh, this year we had uh, Justin Timberlake and Jessica Biel headlining Bill Murray back again. Sure. Uh, it was a you know, pretty impressive cast list. Uh, but to play at King's Barnes, St Andrews, King's Brad, uh, Carnegie, uh, to have all of these people here, top business people from around the world, and also to know that it's uh, an event that is at heart South African, it's John Rupert's event, and he's created something enormously special. And it's probably the most sought after invitation in amateur golf on the planet. Mm. And so to be able to host the events around that in particular the, the gala dinner on the Saturday night I remember doing it the first year and being chirped in the front row by Samuel L. Jackson which was a, a pretty uh, <laughs> uh, pretty full on introduction to the event uh, but it's a, it's a really special one and it's mm. one that's uh, in my diary very quickly every year. Locally this will be my 14th year hosting the Absa Cape Epic uh, which sure. is a terrific event and Kevin Vermark has graded from a uh, dream to an extraordinary reality uh, and I've always loved being part of it mm. uh, and then uh, uh, events like the Dementia Beta Pro-Am the Cape Wine Auction which is away from sport I do quite a lot of events uh, away from sport and uh, just having a having a lot of fun with them and, uh, and enjoying them Yeah that's fantastic and it's so good to hear your involvement in all of those events and Obviously, the one that you mentioned that's close to your heart is, is really, really good. You just touched on something interesting there, and it's a bit of a side note. Um, you mentioned wine. If I'm not mistaken, you've got something on the line called Dan's Wines. Is that correct? <laughs> just about. Dan really likes wine, which is uh, an online weekly wine show. With there we go. That yeah. uh, goes, out, uh, goes out each week, and it's really just a space where I... Uh, tap into my love of food and wine and wine in particular I've mm. worked as a food and wine writer as well as a sports writer for, uh, for many years now and to try and get people to enjoy wine to not feel intimidated by the language of wine to introduce people to South African wine which I still feel is the uh, combination of quality and price the best wine on the planet mm. and to celebrate the, the Cape Wine and the wine we produce so have a lot of fun with it 
as I try and do with most of the things I do. Uh, it makes for some nice travel, and then whenever I'm traveling around the world, there's often the opportunity, if I had my camera crew with me, to do some wine filming as well, and have oh. a slightly different dimension to my travels. So good. So could you recommend a very good wine for all the listeners? <laughs> That's a fairly, a fairly broad question. Yeah, I know, for um, sure. Yeah. Uh, so I can tell you, but it's probably 2019, uh, a few of my favorite wines, uh, an unusual Spanish grape from an estate called Newsom Johnson and Albarino, that's in the Camelonada Valley near Hermanas. Uh, the valley is normally known for its Pinot Noir and its Chardonnay, but that's a, a beautiful wine. And in fact, just across the road in a state called Sumeridge did probably the nicest Chardonnay I had last year. Uh, Holden Mance in Franchuk and Antony Rupert also in Franchuk making some quite magnificent Cabernet Franc, which I really, really enjoy. Uh, also a big fan of the, uh, the Kevin Arnold Shiraz, a nice Kosu red wine, uh, and plenty of Shannon Blanc, the Brudeclerf Valley, really good value, extremely good. Uh, but if you want a, a top of the pick, probably a, a Ken Forrester FMC Shannon Blanc. It's not cheap, but it's absolutely magnificent. Ah, some very good information here. Thanks so much, Dan. And, and then, um, finally, are you anticipating a successful sporting year for South Africa? It's always an awfully difficult one to pick, uh, mm. such as the vagaries of both sports and South Africa. Uh, I think the country is on something of a sporting high from the Springboks, but they, they maybe papered over what was otherwise a, a not hugely successful year as a whole. Mm. I think the, the Blitzbox started off nicely in Dubai, we're a little unlucky in Cape Town, but uh, hopefully they'll have another good year, especially at the Olympics. For the Olympic Games, I'd love to see us do well. And, uh, Kani Sambine, there's a definite 100 meter medal hope. Tatiana Schoolman and Chad Leclerc give us huge cause for belief in the swimming pool. Beyond that, though, it's difficult to see uh, you know, too many more medals, possibly a couple in the long jump. I'm not sure where Wade Niekirk is at the moment. I really hope we see him back to his best, but uh, mm. it's been a while. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to see from Casta. I certainly believe she should be competing, but unfortunately the IOC doesn't agree with my point of view. Yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully we do see her back. Uh, and then uh, we do have a habit of springing the odd surprise. We've got a couple mm. of young swimmers who starting to look quite good. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, uh, people who've been uh, doing, uh, doing their sports for a long time now. So Bridget Hartley, uh, who's been competing for a long time now. Um, so uh, uh, the Olympics will be a big gauge for the year. T20 Cricket World Cup, a lot of talk now. Baby the video's coming back. Yep. I think mm. it's a probability. Yep. Uh, and that would add a, a rich dimension towards probably Faf Duplessis' farewell yep. to South African or to international cricket. Uh, and then hopefully we see some uh, some reasonable football as well. Banyana were outstanding last year. Desiree Ellis, I think, is the best football coach in the country at the moment. Mm. And we've got a team that on fairly modest resources are doing extraordinary things. And uh, they've inspired so many people. And I'd love to see that continue. And Bafana, who knows? But uh, I think we're almost seeing the end of Dean Furman. I think his career is coming to an end. He'll probably go back to the UK at the end of the season. Super Bowl yeah. United. Uh, I'd love to see a last few standout performances from him in a winning by side. Fantastic summary there. Thanks so much, Dan. Dan, it's been an absolute honor to chat to you. Really appreciate your time. And so good to hear about your career going from strength to strength. And I can't wait to see the new Dan Nicole season. It's going to be brilliant. Um, and thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it.
Much appreciated. First episode, season 11, is the 1st of April, so uh, do tune in. Uh, there you go. Thank you for the time and interest. I really, really do appreciate it. Now, <laughs> Joel, take care. Thanks, Cheers. man. Cheers, man. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.